Amen. We serve. Somebody can attest to that, that we serve a mighty, mighty God. Are there any witnesses in the house this morning, online, in the person? Amen. Amen. It is so good to see your faces this morning. Amen. I know we're not all together, but it won't be like this always. Look at somebody around and say, it won't be like this always. Amen. It's not going to be like this always. Soon, 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 we'll be able to, hopefully soon, we'll be able to get back to hugging and stuff. We're going to have a whole hugging reunion when we're able to do so. My goodness. Oh, my gosh. What a time. Amen. We're going to have and we're able to do that. Can y'all just know how it's going to be wild and crazy when we're able to hug again. Praise the Lord. Amen. So, again, we're so glad that you're tuning in. So glad that you're here in person this morning to all of our elders and ministers, to our mothers, Mother Albert, Mother Simon. Mother Simon had a birthday this past week, I believe the 10th. Amen. Mother, you turn 80. I know you don't mind telling. You turn 80. 82, my suffering succotash, mother, my goodness. Ooh, I tell you, ain't nobody, nobody like Mother J.C. Lee Simon. I tell you, I mean, prayer warrior, encourager. If you need the fast, just call Mother Simon. Amen. She ready. Anytime, anywhere. I promise you, she is ready. Amen. So we celebrate her life. 82 years is a long time. God has kept her. She's in her right mind. She's healthy. Amen. So God is good. Come on, help, help me praise God for Mother Simon. 82 years. Amen. That's a blessing. If you have your Bibles with me this morning, go with me to Galatians chapter 6. Um, we are still in our series entitled Finding Comfort in Community. Um, Galatians chapter 6, just one verse, verse 1. Galatians 6 and 1. And for those that are able to stand, stand with me as we read the word of God, as we stand in, as we stand in reverence um, of the word of God. Amen. Week three, the baby said it, and I thank God to say it. Amen. Galatians 6 and 1. And I'll be reading from the New Living Translation of the Bible. And it reads as this, dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly, some versions may say you who are spiritual, so gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back into the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power and the liberation of your word. Your word sets us free. Your word sets us free, God. Any chain, any bondage that we have, God, your word sets us free. And so we thank you for that this morning, Father God. We ask and pray that as we go into your word, that we are ready and receptive. Our spirits are ready to receive whatever it is you have for us. And that we just won't be hearers of your word, but that we'll be doers of your word as well. We want to act on your word so that we can see results. In Jesus' name, we pray and all of God's people said, amen. 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 Just look around at somebody you didn't ride the church with and just give them the Wakanda real quick. Amen. We can't hug. Amen. They too far to fist bump or elbow. Just give them a little shout out. Amen. Amen. So we're in part five again of our series entitled Finding Comfort in Community. And today I want to use as the title Restoring One Another. Restoring One Another. Growing up, I looked forward to the summertime because I knew that came summer and once school was out, that meant that we were about to take the long journey to North Carrollton, Mississippi. Some of you all may have never heard of that before in your life. I know I got a witness over here. Sister Maxine knows about Carroll County. Amen. North Carrollton, Mississippi. We would take that 10-hour ride from Chicago and journey all the way to Mississippi. Had no idea that we sometimes stopped in Carbondale as a little pit spot. Pit stop didn't know that one day I would be there. Amen. And we make that drive all the 
way. I mean, we knew that we were a little close to that once we stopped at Boomland. That was just a great place to be able to stop at Boomland, pick up some fireworks, use the bathroom, go to the restaurant. They didn't upgrade the restaurant now. It didn't look like that back in the day. But we would go there and get something to eat, get back on the road and head down. I could not wait because this was a time where I was reunited with my cousins, the trees, and we would play and have fun running around the house. We knew that my grandfather, the late Deacon C.B. Bibbs, did not allow us to watch TV on Sundays. It was the Lord's day. So we would sneak when my grandfather would go off to church because we know that even church, even though church may have ended at 12 o'clock, granted, it wasn't going to get home to about 2 because he was the last one to leave the building. He had to lock up the church. He had to still tell stories about what family members were buried in the back in the church cemetery. So we knew that we had time. We had about 30 minutes before he got there that we had to turn the TV off because he would come and check the back of the TV on Sandra to make sure that nobody had to watch TV on Sundays. He meant what he said. And anybody whose first names are just two initials, you don't mess with them. So I wasn't going to mess with CB. So if you didn't want us to watch TV, we would work around the system to make sure that that TV was nice and cold by the time you got home. I was excited to be there because we were running and play and we will have our annual arguments about something. We found something to argue about. We found something to fight about. They found something to tease me about or to get the city board to do some country stuff and knowing that I was not going to succeed in doing it and everybody would start laughing at me and I'd be in my feelings at that age uh, at that age Jimmy I cried a lot so it didn't take a whole lot for me to cry so they hurt my feelings I start crying I won the grandma but then everybody else gets in trouble um, but then there came a time that when we could be able to tease each other we could be able to laugh at each other we could be able to make fun of each other but as soon as somebody from the outside tried to it was cousins united all the way. I mean, we didn't play no games. I wasn't a fighter, but the rest of them, they were a fighter. And they would say, Chip, you ain't got to worry about this. We got this cousin. We, we will take care of this. I believe that that's the way we should be in the body of Christ. I believe that's the way that we should be in the household of faith, that we, we know that anytime you get a, a group of people together, there's going to be some conflict, there's going to be some issues, there's going to be something, but at the same time, Sierra, we realize that when someone from the outside tries to interfere with what we have going on, we stand, to, we stand united as a front, and we protect each other, and we watch over each other, not allowing anybody else to be able to mess with us. We can argue, we can talk about each other, we can laugh at each other, but nobody from the outside could be able to do that because of the bond, the unity that we have. I believe the same way that we do that in our families, it should be the same culture that we develop within the household of faith. It should be the same culture that we have, whether it's small groups, whether it's our whole church body as a whole, Sister Ross, that we have such a tight community that if, no matter what has gone on, no matter what has been said, that we will stand united and show up when we need to. Paul here writes to the church of Galatians because they have been they've had they've been caught up in some bad teaching and, and in some sense Paul's probably frustrated because you know I've given you I've given you the real sincere word of God I taught you the word of God properly why would you allow yourself to be why would you allow yourself to entertain bad teaching and, and entertain bad teaching that will come against everything that I have taught you according to the word of God there was a group called the Judaizers that came up on the scene, and they were they were teaching Sister Greta the church at Galatians. They were telling them that, hey, listen, this is too good to be true. It just cannot be that Jesus died for your sins. There has to be something that needs to be done on your end. There ought to be something that you are doing to be able to earn this free gift, this grace, this mercy, this compassion, this love. They were teaching them that, hey, it's just not a free gift. I know Paul's been telling y'all that. I know Paul's been doing revivals and teaching that, but it just can't be a free gift. There has to be something. There has to be a payment plan that you're making every month. 
in order to be able to receive this gift called salvation. So Paul gets wind of it and he comes in because they now have become real, real selfish and self-centered and they're causing strife among them. So Paul comes on the scene to help bring some correction to be able to get the bad teaching out and to be able to open up their minds again to the new teaching. Paul is letting them know, I know what they have come and told you, but you and I, none of you Galatians were meant to do life by yourselves. None of you were meant to be long-ranger Christians and you just do everything on your own. You suffer by yourself. You go through by yourself. Paul says, no, that is not the way it should be. So he comes in, sets the record straight to let them know, hey, 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 in chapter 5, there is freedom now that we have by the Spirit of God. There is freedom now that you and I have. We have the Spirit of Christ living down on the inside of us. There's a freedom that comes along with it. And just as he's talking about that freedom, and not just any type of freedom, but he also introduces the whole idea of a dependency upon the Holy Spirit, and not just a dependency upon the Holy Spirit, but when we lean on the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to work within us, it will produce a fruit. And the fruit is called the fruit of the Spirit. Paul talks about, hey, he says in chapter 5, he says in chapter 5, verse 17, he says the sinful nature, sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. He says the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you will not be free to carry out your own intention. Paul lets them know that there is a battle. There is an eternal war that is going on spiritually, that your flesh wants to do one thing, your spirit wants to lead you to do another. And it's always at war. Paul talks about this then to the church in Galatians, but the same thing goes on with us today. There is, there is, there is our flesh that wants to do what the flesh wants to do. And then our spirit wants to do what the spirit wants to do. Our flesh and our spirit are at war with each other. One wants to please God and the other wants to please ourselves. All right. <laughs> And he's letting them know that you need the help of the Holy Spirit to be able to yield more to the Spirit of God rather than to your flesh. And I like the way that Paul sets this up because he talks about the fruit of the Spirit, missionary. And then it's almost like, hey, let me set a stage so that you can be able to model what I've taught you in chapter 5, verse 22, about the fruit of the Spirit. We get here to Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. He says, dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly, you who are spiritual should gently and humbly help that person back into the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Theologians say that this brother that they are, this brother or sister that they are sharing about in chapter 6 verse 1 is a believer who has not intentionally fell into sin. There's a, there's a, difference, there's a difference between just, just struggling and fully submitting to sin. He says this is a brother that was that this is a brother or sister that 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 that, that, that did not practice premeditated sin. They didn't have already they didn't have things already mapped up in their heads what they were going to do. They said this brother or sister they have been overtaken by temptation. They have been overtaken by sin. Something gripped them so hard that they fell into sin. They yielded to their flesh. It was not on purpose, but it just happened. He says. Because they've been overtaken by sin, he says there has to be a process in place to be able to restore the brother or sister back. Because here it is, thanks to God, it is never meant for those that have been uh, for those that have been overtaken by sin to stay in that state. It is not it is not the will of God for you and I that when we have fallen into the traps of sin, whether we have done it intentionally, whether we just whether it just happens, it is never by God's design for us to be able to stay in that state of brokenness. No, there is a plan for you and I to be restored back into our rightful place in our relationship with Christ. It is not a part of the will of God for you and I to stay there and to be disconnected. That's why it's so 
so important, saints of God, that we just don't do life by ourselves. That's why it's so important, saints of God, that we have community. That's why it's so important. I still believe in a local church. I know, I know people have their different opinions now that now that we're in this virtual sanctuary, oh, I can go to church wherever. I can be here in Illinois and go to church in California, but let me tell you something. It is not the same because there is no virtual accountability. You need face-to-face. You need some people that will be on your back. You need some people that will be in your face. You need some people that can be able to ask you some tough questions about decisions and ways that you are doing in your life. We all need a body of believers that we are connected to, not just so that we can be encouraged, not just so that we can have a good time and shout, but we need to be connected to a house that can be able to hold us accountable to our ways and our actions. Paul says, I've been overtaken by sin, but I have a plan for them to be restored. Restore in the Greek means to put in order. Almost in some sense, doctors would use it that when someone has a bone that is broken, they want to be able to put the bone back in place. They want to be able, Brother Jimmy, to restore the bone back in place so that it can be able to be whole and useful again. Let me say this again because that should have made somebody shout right there. His plan is to be able to restore us back, not to walk around dislocated for the rest of our lives, but to be able to get to a place that things can be put back into order so that we can be whole and useful again. He says, okay, here's the part, here's the plan of the restoration plan of how I want to be able to get, how I want to be able to restore them back. He says, but I need to put some other things in place so that this process can be able to work. Here's something I want you to know real quick. When someone has been overtaken by sin, They shouldn't be forsaken, they shouldn't be exempt, and they shouldn't be destroyed. When someone has been overtaken by sin, they should not be forsaken, they should not be neglected. Here's the thing that we have to find, that we have to find, that I'm learning how to do in my own life as a pastor, as a believer. We have to learn how to have balance. Everybody say balance. Everybody say balance again. If you're watching, put it in the comment section. Put balance. Amen. Put it two times since we said it two times. Amen. In person, type it in there two times as well. Amen. We have to learn how to be balanced. Just before Galatians chapter 6, Paul has an encounter with a brother in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. This brother was so bold in what he did. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, this brother was so bad, he was sleeping with his daddy's wife. He was sleeping with his stepmother. Only got a few kids in the building. Well, there. Okay, I got to make sure I keep it right. Amen. Couldn't say what I wanted to say. He's sleeping with his daddy's, uh, daddy with his daddy's wife. And soon what ends, that, what ends up happening, he marries his stepmother. And Paul comes in and he checks the entire church at Corinthians. He said, wait a minute, hold up. Y'all walking around cheesing and smiling and happy and high-fiving and fist-bumping and stuff, and y'all failed to correct this brother that is willingly and continually to sin. Paul says the solution for this joker, because he does not want to stop, he doesn't want to submit himself to church discipline and leadership, he got to go. He says because a little leaven will destroy the whole bunch. In other words, a little sin will cause damage to the entire body. So Paul says, this joker gots to go, and we're going to treat him like an unbeliever. We're going to go out and evangelize and witness to him as if he just got saved last night. (laughs) But then we got Galatians chapter 6. Well, Paul is saying, be gracious, be patient, be compassionate. But 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he just kicked the brother out because they didn't want to do right. There is a balance that you and I have to learn, that the church has to learn as a believers. because here it is, when it comes to sin, we can't overdo it and we can't underdo it. 
There has to be a balance that we have so that because, hey, every situation will have to be dealt with in a different manner. Sin is sin, absolutely, but depending on the case and the individual and their hearts determines how we handle a certain thing. First Corinthians chapter 5, the brother ain't trying to do right. He's continuing to be with his stepmom and get married. Galatians chapter 6 verse 1, they realize I've fallen and I can't get up. But I need to get up. And I need help in getting up. And what happens, Paul says, we got to be able to get the brother or the sister back on track. The overtaken should not be forsaken. They should not be neglected. They should not be isolated. If a brother or a sister falls into sin, we should not just allow them to stay in that sin because when when that happens, the enemy comes in and put all types of thoughts in their minds, in their head, and they begin to view the church different. They begin to view believers different, then which leads them to look, then which leads them to look at God and to view God differently. Because of how those who say they belong to God has treated me. But at the same time, they should not be forsaken. They should not be exempt. What do you mean by exempt? They should not be excused because of what they have done. There should be some accountability. And lastly, they should not be destroyed. When someone has been overtaken by sin, oh, it's not our job to tear a person down and to make them feel like they're absolutely nothing. Who wants to be constantly reminded of their sin? Who wants to be constantly reminded of their mistake? When the truth been told, truth be told, you have some stuff that went down, but it never got exposed. Your video never made it to social media. Your conversation never got emailed out. Your phone conversation wasn't tapped. It is not our job to destroy someone when they have been overtaken by sin. But it is our job as believers of Jesus Christ to hold a brother or sister accountable. There's a balance. Everybody say balance again. There is a balance that we must have. That I don't have to destroy you, but I do because we are united in the body of Christ to hold you accountable. Okay, okay, hurry up, swims. I'm used to getting out of church at 11 o'clock. Okay, here we go, here we go, here we go. What does the profile of the restore looks like? Here it is. Paul says, Paul says, Paul says, you who are godly, you who are spiritual, sit gently and humbly, help that person back unto the right path. Here it is, the profile of the restore. What does the person, what does the individuals that are helping and being a part of the restoration process, what do they look like? The first thing he says, they must be spiritually mature. Believers of Jesus Christ. What does that mean, Pastor? That means that they, before they jump to chapter 6, verse 1, and trying to help somebody restore, they have already gone through the school of Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. They're walking by the Spirit in their own lives. And they're mature in the faith. I know some ain't gonna want to hear this, but I gotta say it. Immature people, immature people, immature, spiritually immature people have no business trying to help somebody else be restored that has been overtaken by sin. You just got saved at 1042 this morning. And it's 1042 right now. And you want to help someone that's been overtaken by sin. No, 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 no. Not saying you may not have the skill set. Not saying that you may not have the ability. Because, hey, you are still, you knew you're on fire for the Lord. You may be a little bit too judgmental. It's just too soon. We need some people that are seasoned. We need some people that are seasoned that can be able to see. I like what Dr. Tony Evans says. That can be able to assess the situation through the lenses of God. 
know how to pray, know what to do, know how to move, know what to say, when to say, know when to be able, know, know, they, 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 they have a sense of discernment. They know when to make certain moves. They know when to say certain things. They know how to say certain things. They know when there's too much pressure being applied and when they need to lessen on the pressure. He says it needs to be people who are spiritually mature and not just spiritually mature saints of God, but they need to be able to live out uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. Let me just read it to you real quick. You know it by heart because you learned it in Sunday school 202 five years ago. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against these things. When you are going to be a part, when God is going to use, when the Lord will use people to help be a part of somebody else's restoration plan to restore their lives, they must live out Galatians chapter 2, uh, chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, because there is nothing worse to be placed in the hands of a believer that has not been seasoned or have not ha have experienced love joy, peace, patience, long-suffering in their own lives. If I'm trying to be restored back, if I'm designed to be put back in place so that I can be useful again, I want to be in the hands of individuals that the fruit of the Spirit, they're not perfect, but it's evident in their life evident in their life and not just living out Galatians 5, 22 and 23 but also need, 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 need individuals that are conscious of their own sin as well. Look at what Paul says, the latter part of verse 1. He says, and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Because Paul doesn't know, hey, 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 hold on. The same, the same devil, the same evildoer that's out here and got this other brother or sister overtaken by sin. Now he's coming looking for you, trying to figure out what he can do to cause you to trip up. It's a humbling thing at the same time that as I'm a part of helping somebody to be restored back in their walk with Christ, to be, to be restored back to full use and to be whole again. I have to be conscious of my own, of my own, of my own capacity to be able to sin as well. Paul says, be, don't, be, don't, 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 don't. He says, don't get the big head. Don't get, don't, don't get too prideful. Be careful. That while you're trying to help somebody else get restored, that you don't trip and fall over to the same thing they're in. Oh, Sister Carrie, I missed you. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> Got to be careful that we ourselves, I believe this. There are two people that know what's better than anybody else. It's God and ourselves. We know our own vices. We know what will trip us up. We know what we will fall into. We know what we will run to when we're having a bad day. <laughs> we know when things have not gone the way that we've desired for them to go and we're having a moment, we know what we can be able to run to to give us a little extra juice. And let's be honest and real, sometimes that's not always Jesus or prayer. <laughs> Talk back to me today. I have to be conscious of my own sin nature. I have to be conscious of my own vices. I have to be conscious of my own life and realizing that, hey, I could easily be where they are or in something else mm -hmm. right. it had not been for the spirit of God being stronger than my flesh in that moment. That's why Paul talked about in, in, in Galatians 5, uh, 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 um, 17, about the war that is going on, that it is a constant war, saints of God, that our spirit, our flesh, our spirit, our flesh, our spirit, our flesh. I had a moment the other week, I was subbing, I was subbing at school, Brother Jimmy, and I had a sub come tell me as another sub what it is that I need to be doing. I said, wait a minute. 
I said, hold up. I said, hold on a second now. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I said, what did you just, I need to do what now? I said, let me just go to the higher-ups real quick to make sure I didn't miss some email or something because I'm just trying to figure out what's going on. And they came back and did it again. I said, wait a minute. I said, wait a minute. I said, now, I said, listen, I don't know what you're supposed to be doing, but I've already, I've already been given the details of what Mr. Swim needs to do. So whatever they told you that you need to do does not apply to me because you're only here for a few days. I'm here every day until the end of the school year. So what you have to do and what I have to do are two totally different things. Now, I didn't say it like that, Sister Stacey. It was, it was seasoned a little bit more with a lot more grace. But on the inside, that's how I wanted to say it. Because you done came to me not once, but you done came twice telling me, hey, I need, you need me to do, you ain't, you're not the principal. Huh? There was a war, small event, small thing, but there was a war uh, that the spirit of God had to come over and season what I wanted to say and how I said it. Because how I wanted to say it, Sister Donna, wouldn't have been real nice. And I would have hated that it would have been linked back that she come to realize a pastor just talked to me like that. There's a war with small things, medium things, large things, enormous things. There's a war that's going on between our flesh and our spirit. That is constantly at war. Every day that we get up, it is a fight. Either I'm going to yield to the Spirit of God or I'm going to yield to my flesh. Every day it's a fight. And here it is, saints of God. That's why you and I as believers have to sometimes be a little bit more gracious with each other and give each other a break. Because every day that we wake up, it is a fight that we're in. Your fight looks different than my fight. Your fight may be a little bit bigger than my fight. My fight might be smaller than your fight. But there's a fight that we have every day of our lives. And we need the help of God to not yield to our flesh, but to walk in the spirit. Paul says, okay. He says, now let's look at, we looked at the profile of the restorer, but he says, well, let's look at the process of restoration. He says, he says, dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back on track. Paul gives the number one thing right there in, that it needs to be done with gentleness. Everybody say gentleness. It needs to be done with gentleness. It needs to be done with gentleness. You have someone, if you have someone, a doctor realizes the fact, no matter, no matter the reason why they come in here and their bones are broken and their bones are disconnected, it does not mean they could have done something stupid, but it doesn't make a difference. I have to handle them with care and sensitivity. Regardless of why, they are where they are, regardless if what they have done to broke, break their shoulder or their leg was stupid on their part. The doctor realizes I still need to handle with sensitivity and with care. I still need to be gentle. Why? They're still broken, and if I'm too hard or too tough, I can cause more harm than good. Oh, I just preached right there. But as believers of Jesus Christ, when we're restoring another brother or sister, it has to be done with gentleness. It has to be done with gentleness. Now, it does not mean that because I'm being gentle, it does not mean that because I'm being gentle, does not mean that I water down the truth. Oh, that is exempt from truth. No, the doctor's going to have to say, hey, 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 listen, I know, I know, I know you've been bored during this whole quarantine and this pandemic, but it's still not a wise thing to just jump off the bed. It's not a wise thing to skate, and you have no experience with skating, and you don't have any helmets, any pads and all. You're going to end up in the same place all over. They have to share truth, but they still need to be gentle. Father God, please help us as believers of Jesus Christ that when we're helping somebody get restored back, that we are gentle and that we don't cause more harm than good. Now there is an indictment on the church, more specifically the black church. That people are quick to say 
I never go to church again. I never deal with church people again. Because when I was broken, they overlooked me. When I was broken, they didn't handle me with sensitivity and with care. They judged my sin but never knew my testimony and my story. And knowing how I got to where I am, not saying that it's right. Everybody had a fit trying to talk about, oh, my gosh, I'm so sick of people trying to put DMX in heaven. Oh, he, he was strung out on drugs, not knowing, not knowing, not knowing. He got turned out because someone that was older, more seasoned than him, gave laces, laces drugs with something as a young kid, which led to addiction. God, help us not to judge people before we, uh, before we know their story. God, help us not to indict people and to send people to hell and don't even know their testimony of how they got to where they are right now. God, help us that we just don't see the sin and never try to build a relationship with the person to find out how did you get here? Right. What happened? Been subbing at the middle school since March the 15th. Every day, the normal teacher came in a few days ago. I, you would have thought revival broke out, Sister Greta. Them jokers came from the north, the south, the east, and the west hugging their teacher. Oh, we're so glad to see you. When are you coming back? We love you. We miss you. What can we do? Do we need to raise an offering? Go fund me. When are you coming back? I said, Dad, y'all ain't said none of that to me since I've been here since March the 15th. They're with the kids. Just kind of listen to some of the conversations that they have. And it hurts me to hear some of the things that our middle school, Mr. Bradley works that we talk about all the time, that they're dealing with and that they're going through that they're experienced at 11, 12 years old. I'm talking about jokers that are 11, 12 years old that's having sex more than some married people. That will tell you, that, that will clearly, clearly tell you, Mrs. Swims, I don't know, sometimes I'm straight, sometimes I'm bi, sometimes I'm just all the way out there. I don't, it, it just depends on the day. Hearing, hearing somebody ask a question, Mr. Swims, how many kids do you have? Somebody was like, Mr. Swims got 15 kids. I said, no, I ain't got no 15 kids. I said, I just got two. He said, oh, man, if you had 15, that'd be a whole lot of child support that you would have to pay. I said, first of all, I wouldn't have to pay child support because I was going to father my children and take care of them. But when we see the culture and society that people are having multiple children and they got back child support and that's why they couldn't get their stimulus or their taxes because they got back child support, it has become normal to a culture now where it's easy to sit back to the cans and say, oh, all these kids, bad, they're just bad. Oh, we're going to be messed up in the future. These are our future leaders. Oh, my gosh, we need to pray. No, we need to build some relationships with these kids to find out what went on in your life that you think that this is cool. What is going on in your life now? Because many of them are crying out for help. Somebody listen to what I'm saying. Somebody see the way that I'm living and come and say something because I want somebody to care. Oh, but if we stand back as believers of Jesus Christ, ooh, you're just bad. Oh, yeah, there's no hope for you. You're just worthless. And never know. Some are sexually active because they were molested. Some have same-sex attraction because somebody that they knew was in the training last month and they were just talking about, they were talking about pedophiles and just different things of that nature and they were, I'm the only pastor in the room and the presenter says that hey you know that when we look at child molestation it's linked back to a lot of pastors that have messed with kids in church. I said wait a minute I'm the only one in here now can we use another example? 
Let's, let's do something else. Let's, let's not, let's, I'm the only pastor here. Let's just do something else. But somebody that they knew touched them and turned them out early, and they don't know how to turn it off. They're not trying to be a whole by choice. They don't know how to turn it off. But we who think we're without sin walk around with rocks. <laughs> In the grocery store, rock. <laughs> At church, rock. Just throwing rocks. I want to know when I get to heaven, Jesus, what was you writing in the sand when you sat down and you told them, you said, hey, ye without first sin, cast the first stone, and Joker started dropping their rocks. <laughs> started dropping their rocks. But we never find out or investigate, how did you get here? How did you get here? Got to be gentle. Because if I'm too rough, if we're too rough, we're going to lose him. 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 I'm not talking about people that's just outside the church. I'm talking about in the church. We will lose them because we're too rough. Because even within this process, I got to hurry up, even within this process of restoration, there is accountability. I like, I like, I like what my good friend, Pastor David Barringer, we was talking about this. I was sharing with him a message, just kind of getting some thoughts, and he was sharing with me about accountability. Accountability is not someone just watching over you. It's somebody walking with you. All right. It's somebody walking with you because get this if I'm going to walk with somebody during that process of restoration I'm going to need a whole bunch of long suffering to help me as I'm walking with them doing this I'm going to need some patience and some kindness why because everybody's transformation looks different right. and for you it might be a month might be two and you're good and we celebrate and give a testimony and, give, and get a good dance in. But for somebody else, it might be three years. It might be four years. This may be the thorn in their side for the rest of their lives. But can you walk with me? Can you walk with me? I was talking with Pastor Marvin Williams out of Michigan, Glenda's brother. And we were sharing. He was talking to me about a young man that was within their church for 12 years that struggled with same-sex attraction. He came to them and shared what was going on, talking to them, talking with the pastors, talking to the elders of the church. He made a vow that he was going to commit to celibacy the whole time that he was there. Twelve years he was at that church. But what helped him, yes, it was the Spirit of God that was helping him, but it was godly men who rallied behind him and supported him. Not supporting his sin, but supporting him. That they became a safe place for him. That when he wanted to do something crazy, he reached out to these godly men. They didn't gossip about his sin. They didn't gossip about, they, 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 they didn't gossip about his struggling with his sin. But when he reached out, they rallied and they prayed. They held him accountable. They shared truth and walked with the brother for 12 long years. There are some things that you and I have to do with the old hymn writer said, yield not to temptation. Why? Because yielding is sin. But what you got to do? Ask the Savior. I can hear Jeffro singing it now. Ask the Savior to help you. Comfort and strengthen you. He will carry you through. There are some things you and I may have to struggle with for the rest of our lives. And the only thing that's going to help us is going to be the grace of the Master. And having a community of people I'm done. That can rally behind us. 
in high support and high challenge. They can give me high support and encourage me, but give me high challenge in reminding me what his word says. Someone struggle with same-sex attraction is no different than a believer who can't keep their mouth shut. You gossiping ain't no different. Ain't no different than you claiming kids on your taxes that you have never birthed because you ain't birthed none. Nah. You claiming kids on your taxes that you never birthed is no different than you lying to get a PPP loan and you have no business. You're not an entrepreneur. <laughs> Ain't no difference. No difference. But in whatever, if I'm a liar, if I'm a fornicator, if I'm an adulterer, if, I, if it's same-sex attraction, can I get some people, if I really want to get better and get help, can I have a support group that can be able to give me high support and high challenge? That if I'm a liar, that somebody can come alongside of me and say, wait a minute, is that the truth? Did that really happen? They can get in your face and say, hey, why do you lie about stupid stuff? You didn't go to Walmart, just say that. You ever met somebody that lies so good they just lie about dumb stuff? You don't have to lie about going to Burger King. You just didn't go. It's okay. It's all right. Somebody would check you and say, stop lying about dumb stuff. Just stop. Can we offer high support and high challenge? Can we offer support? Can we rally behind somebody, not rallying or supporting their sin, but can we rally behind that person as support and letting them know that you can do all things through Christ that gives you strength and rally behind them and say, his grace is and forever will be sufficient enough? Right. We're going to help somebody be restored. Man, it's a lot of, a lot of walking we're going to have to do. A lot of extending grace, a lot of, a lot of high challenge, a lot of high support that's going to happen. A lot of praying, a lot of long suffering. We don't know how to suffer long with people. When they can't get it right by step three, we are, they don't want to be right. No, it may take a little bit longer with them. Because the truth be told, you ain't all the way delivered yourself. We just don't see your struggles because they're private and not known publicly. <laughs> Sister Carrie, you better you cutting up. I love it. I don't miss this whole year. You would do it online, but there's no difference when you it's better when you're in person. Restoring one another. Okay, Pastor, how 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 do I apply this to my life? How do I make this make sense? How do I walk this out of my life? Restore another brother or sister the way that you would want to be restored. Restore another brother or sister the way that you would want to be restored. You want someone to be gracious and kind with you? Man, show that. You reap what you sow. Sow that. Sow that. Sow that into somebody else's life. And it may come a time, like Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, that, hey, the brother just don't want to because they're not stopping. They're continuing. That I am going to have to distance myself because you, I'm, 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 I'm wasting my long suffering because you're not even attempting to get better. May have to cut. And walk with somebody else that wants accountability, that wants me to walk with them, that, that will allow me the space and the invitation to ask the tough questions. Because when we have community and we're doing life together and we're growing together and we're praying together and we're building relationships together, 
and we're united front, we come to realize, hey, my actions, my behaviors don't just impact me, but it impact those that I'm connected to. And that changes the game. That changes the game because then, then, then it becomes, okay, I should not say this or do this because of how it's going to impact you, not just me. I shouldn't do or say or act like this because of the way it's going to impact us. God, help us to really help people be restored. God, help us, 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 Lord. To build stronger relationships with him. So that they can be on about the curse. So that there can be conviction. That's a word we don't talk about much in the church now. Being convicted. There's an unrest on the inside of you when you've done something, when you've said something, when you've acted in the way. Holy Spirit is getting your attention to say, hey, that wasn't right. Let's fix it. Let's get it right. A couple of years ago, I had a few choice words with a teacher. And my response wasn't right. It wasn't right. Holy Spirit just kept, kept, kept telling me, Swams, make it right. I'm like, oh, but they was wrong. I was right. Make it right, Swams. So I bargained with a minister. I said, okay, Lord, if I ever see him in person, just them and me, I'm going to apologize. I knew that what, I, I just knew there was a 99.9% chance, Elder Court, that wasn't going to happen. Lo and behold, I'm in Starbucks at Panera. Minding my own business, getting ready for church. I look up and in there, I said, Lord, what? I said, all right, Father. Into your hands, I commit my mouth because I really don't want to do this. <laughs> I went, I said, hey. You know, we had a few choice words the other day. I shouldn't have said what I said in front of the kids. I apologize. They looked at me. They said, I expected more from you because of your position in the community. Said it real nasty and snotty. I said, you know what, Lord? That's it. Let me walk away right now because I want to say something back. I did my part. The rest is in your hands. What are you saying? As the longer we walk with Christ, Longer we walk with Christ, when we do right, when we don't, when we off, when we say something that we shouldn't say, do something that we shouldn't do, behave in a way that we should not, there should be some conviction. And if there is no conviction, I'm trying to figure out who you're walking with. Because there should be some type of unrest. Which then leads to another curse word, Repentance. To make a turn, Sister Mary, and go in a different direction. That's it. I'm done. I got to stop. It's 11-12. We're used to being out at 11 o'clock in the virtual church. Put those hands together. Give God praise today.